Good <laughs> afternoon, everybody. We are back uh, with another analysis, explication, deep dive from the snobbiest music lovers in the world. <laughs> You're listening to the Rockstar Biography Podcast. And um, I think it might not be clear to our listeners, Martha, that the rock star part of the title, that applies to us. That's who we're Oh, talking yeah. About. That's totally it's, who it is about. Yeah. It's not, no. It's oh, not was it obvious? You don't think no, that was obvious I, to people? I'm uh. not sure, but I just wanted to explain that because, you know, some of these musicians are variously talented, but, you know. Right, but we're the rock stars. I that mean. is absolutely true. Today, will we be demonstrating our rock starness, discussing, <laughs> oh boy, Chrissy Hine, okay, uh, the name of her book, I think it was published about five years ago now, yes. Reckless, My Life is a Pretender, you are listening to your delightful host, my name is Christian Overfield, and elsewhere in the universe um, is, <laughs> I am Martha you. Guzman, Martha Guzman. As always, um, we're going to start out by telling you um, sort of our background and our experience, uh, the context of how we approached the books, meaning how familiar or not uh, we knew the music of the subject of the book. Um, and once again, I'm going to start with you, Martha. Let's hear how much you did or didn't know about Ms. Hind and the band Pretenders and what they meant to you. I know a lot about Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders. I first heard or rather i first saw the video for brass and pocket when i was probably around eight years old and i was always a big music fan since the time i was a little kid and i used to love watching videos on saturday mornings and i remember watching the video for the song and just really liking liking it and i thought she was cool I thought her voice was cool. You know, to little eight-year-old me, I thought, wow, who is this? I just, I really liked it. And up until that point, I hadn't really listened to a lot of female singers. And her voice just really stood out to me. I just thought it was different. I don't know. And I just, I became a fan from that time on. I mean, I just, every time I would hear anything by this woman, I would listen and I would pay attention. And obviously, as I became older and as I became a teenager, I, I really really started loving the music even more. And so I was very familiar with her. I've had the chance to see her live three times. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Two oh. of those times were actually in a very intimate setting. And I just saw her last year at the at the Bowl. So I'm a huge fan. Huge, huge fan. Okay. Was she, I mean, see, I, you know a lot more than I do. Was she in the, was she with the Pretenders or some formation of them each time you saw her? No, actually, the first time I saw her, she was working. I forget the singer's name, but she was working with with a singer um, and, and they were doing collaborative work. And the second time that I saw her was at my local record store and she did an intimate acoustic session there. And I got to see her and I got to meet her as well. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. And the last time I saw her was last year at the Bowl, where she was actually playing some jazz. She performed some jazz music from an album that she released last year, which is actually pretty good. Uh, but she obviously also played a lot of Pretenders, and, and she sounds great. And like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan of her music. I, I always have been. So I was looking forward to reading this book. Okay. You have a more thorough experience with Pretenders than I do. Uh, you know, I you cannot 
not grow up without being kind of aware of the pretenders. Um, so I do remember the video for, for Brass and Pocket, but mm -hmm. I, I remember even from my first introduction to them, they already seemed sort of their style and sound a little, a little out of date, a little like, you know, because if you think about what was going on MTV at the time, I'm not saying the sound was or the kind of music was better or worse than sort of the, the average sort of 80s sound, but it already seemed to sort of belong to the 70s a little bit. Um, I don't know if that was correct or not, but that's how I felt when I'm 10 or 12 or whatever it is I'm listening to Brass and Pocket. It had a different sound, that's for sure. It wasn't. It did. It, it wasn't like the uh, like you said, like the, the other type of music that we were listening to at that right. time. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew Brass and Pocket. I, you know, I, I definitely can only say that I pretty much just know if you popped on a Greatest Hits album, that's that's pretty much all I know of the Pretenders. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of rediscovered or appreciated uh, some of their songs a little more as I got older, like Brass and Pocket. Um, one of my all-time favorite bands when I was in my 20s, I was a fanatical Suede fan, and they covered Brass and Pocket. Oh. And uh, Chrissy Hines said their cover was better than her original. Oh, wow. I'll so, have to listen to it. I've never heard it. Right. So um, there's that. Uh, I remember vividly when Back on the Chain Gang came out, which I still think is their best song. Oh, I love that I think that everybody song. does. You know, Morrissey covered it. I think it um, sort of a one-off for them. And what was odd about that song is my dad, of all people, who is not a music lover at all, he would just once every blue moon randomly latch on to some pop song and play it incessantly on a 45 he bought so here's my i don't know 40 year old dad listening to back on the chain gang um which was i don't know i don't think chrissy after reading chrissy hines book i can safely say she did not imagine my conservative probation officer father with clean house and a neatly <laughs> trimmed front lawn listening to back on the chain gang i knew she was a vegetarian because uh you know big i was a big morris fan huge um, Beatles fan. So you become aware. And I was a vegetarian myself for four years in a, in a previous life. So I knew about that about her. I had been told that she was a model. I remember sort of that becoming a thing that she was previously a model. I think that kind of affected how I listened to the music too. I mean, I'm just going to say I, I, through discovering the book, that really was not the case. I don't didn't read that she was a, a model, but I remember kind of thinking a little... Uh, it reduced the music a little bit for me to think, oh, well, you were just a model. And then somehow you just, you translated that into a recording contract. Well, she was, I mean, the, she was the model at an art school. It wasn't right. a model in the typical, like a right. super when model I'm, type. When I'm 16, that's the only, you know, vocabulary I had. So right. um, that's how I thought of her. Um, and the, the remainder that I knew about her or, or the way in which related my life is I was <laughs> I had an interesting, uh, we'll just call it a healthy crush on Winona Ryder at one point in my life. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think all men right? your age had a crush on her at, at some point or other my, in their life. <laughs> my crush on her was similar to Chrissy Hines' crush on Iggy Pop. Let's put it that way. Ah. It was, yeah, so it was pretty <laughs> intense. And I remember reading that uh, Winona, Chrissy Hines during a Pretenders concert, uh, brought Winona Ryder on stage. But this is before Winona Ryder had made it. She was just like a 12-year-old fan. Um, she brought her on stage and serenaded her with 2,000 miles. 
Stop! So, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, she did. That's that. one of my favorite you, songs. Well, you have to be, you know, have an unhealthy obsession with Winona Ryder to know that. <laughs> Two thousand miles. That's and a great song, too. By the way, it is. Uh, I liked it. Um, one of my favorites. You know, I love yeah, that song. It is. It is. But other than that, I, you know, I was never. Uh, their music just it was fine. I mean, I like some of their songs, mm-hmm. but. There's no part of my, um, I didn't bond with the music, you know, it didn't, I didn't there, I didn't ever feel like exploring it further or buying an album or doing that deep dive that I think through no choice of a person's own, if you're a music lover, you wind up doing if you take to the music. So it was always just sort of fine except for maybe back on the chain gang which i think is an elevated better than all the rest of their songs um but then again i'm going to be telling i don't i've never ever popped a full album on and after reading this book quite honestly i have zero interest in ever doing that um but i did it a little bit after reading the book and they just okay they sounded you know like some punk punk ish songs with you know chrissy hines you know it's pretty distinctive voice she has a great voice she does. She has know, a great, great voice. Well, it's distinct. And she got lucky in that regard. As she puts it or explains in the book. And I totally agree that character and distinction and personality is everything. Yes. To a rock band or any, you know, a band um, having a great train pipes. That's largely irrelevant to whether or not your band, if you have one, I think is going to stand the test of time. So she got lucky in that regard. Anyway, that's my backdrop, background in, in Chrissy Hind. So here, here we go. I'm excited <laughs> to hear it. But you know, I think moving forward, just to ask you, did you like it? That's sort of an irrelevant question. I, I, and all these books I've read, except for maybe Johnny Mars, which served itself up in such a, you know, did you like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Right. Um, what really, in, in place of that, what was... Your experience of reading Miss Hines book. It wasn't enjoyable. It was or was not? It was not. Was not. Okay. No. I did not enjoy reading this book. I it just did not. I felt that for the first hundred, one hundred pages or so. It was just her recounting experience after experience without any feeling, without any real emotion, without, it was almost like she was detached from, she was recounting stories in a way where it was almost like, well, this happened and this happened and then this happened and then I moved on and then this happened and there was never any sort of, okay, so what did you think about all of that? What were you feeling? And it was Here's the thing. She engaged in all of this, which is fine. Do whatever you want to do. I but, don't know if I agree with that, but go on. Well, here's the go thing. On. Here's the thing. I felt like, did you actually enjoy any of the things that you were doing? And it never came across that way, at least not the way she wrote about it. And there was almost a sadness to all of that to me as a reader when I was reading it. Um, not in a, oh my gosh, I feel so sorry for her and this poor, no, not at all. Not like that at all. But it was just more like, what, what were you doing? What, what, 
you know, and she says it, you know, she had no direction. She was just kind of aimless and, and trying to start a band. And she was always desperate to start a band and she just didn't know how to do it. And she kept mixing and, and, and being around people that weren't necessarily the the best people to be around. And she knew that. And, and she and I appreciated her honesty and acknowledging a lot of those things saying, you know, like, but I don't know, it just it wasn't until she gets to you know, later, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about all this in more detail, but it wasn't too much later in the book uh, where she, when she gets to, when she finally gets to London that I felt like, oh, now we're getting to see a little bit more of what she's like and what she felt and what she, what she was going through and what she was thinking as she was experiencing all of these things. Because prior to that, you just didn't get any of it. It was just her kind of just saying all of this stuff and, and all these things that she was going through, but there was never any I don't know. It just, it, again, it just, it was sort of sad to read. It didn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's such a great story. Or, ah, ha, ha, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, it was nothing like that. It was just depressing. It, it, okay. And, and it just, and I thought, gosh, you know, it's a miracle that she's still here. I mean, truly, yeah. oh by the time, you, by the time you get to the end of the book, you think, or at least I did, I thought, Wow. If people don't believe in divine intervention or miracles after reading this book, they will. <laughs> They'll believe in both of those things because the life she led and the experiences that she went through for such a big part of her life, uh, it, it's incredible that she's even here. I don't know how she was able to even type sentences and paragraphs to make this book after the quantity of drugs she describes. I, mean, I felt like it, I was lucky not to have contracted an STD just having read her book. Yes. The, the, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, if you got... If you want no, to no, going. no, no. I mean, it's just, it's, it's difficult to really put into words just some of the... I don't know. It was just... Again, it just it, it felt like so much of the time she was so detached from the things that happened to her. And as though and I imagine, you know, it's been so many years. And so to some degree, I, I mean, I think that happens to all of us once you've gone through something good or bad. You know, you you look back on those experiences sometimes and you and you are a little bit more detached because you're not going through it anymore, clearly. But it just, you know, I wish she just would have given us more feeling uh, you know, like, what did you, what were you feeling as you were going through all of that? And how did that really make you feel? I mean, it just, it's all just, I don't know. It, it just uh, made me feel sad. And, and there were times where I was just like, I need a break from reading this right yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know if I, given the, the experiences you read about, which I think we should discuss more in more detail, even though you, you probably don't want to, but does a person like that feel anything anymore? I, if you've had that many experiences uh, of that kind, each one at the most extreme level. Right. Um, well, I, wow. Um, well, she had know. a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, for, for those people, for our listeners who haven't already read the book for who, who haven't already heard or, or, or read about some of the experiences that she discusses, you know, there was a lot of sexual violence, uh, I, in the book. I got it. I got it. I think, I mean, we got to go. More. Well, there was, it's, yeah, it's, there was. It's not enough to say. There's, I think we should break down some of her habits and some of Yes. Her. I mean, there was massive drug usage. Um, yeah, there was just so much. So I'd like to go 
to the beginning of the book. I actually think that the book could be almost a a sociological study of the 60s. Oh my gosh, and, and in many ways, that, yes, I agree. Sure, and and I think she's an extreme example, but still of like what, how did that dream or the promise of it or the idea of it really turn out? What did it really look like when it was executed by somebody who thought there was some promise at the end of the, the dream the Beatles offered or the 60s offered? Um, and it's particularly, it, I don't know if sad, it was beyond sad for me Yes. To read about a, a human being who's so aggressively degraded. This is how I read it. Degraded her dignity as a person. And and I, you know, it's funny before I, I was looking through the book again before, you know, we did this. And I, the opening kind of, I, I read it differently. She says that she could not have written this book while her parents were alive. That really and struck I, me. That really struck me too. And I really, that that is accurate. I mean, that is, to me was one of the few responsible things uh, she ever did regarding her, her any feeling for her parents. Um, you know, I, I, throughout the book, I don't, I never got the impression she did anything in spite to her, towards her parents or that she ever even disliked them really. She just seemed compelled to what, what can I do to, to my, how can I deface this thing, this person that I am in any conceivable way? Um, it's also, um, the contrast is particularly painful to read about because she does a really great job, I thought, of really describing this idyllic, wonderful town, this upbringing. It's, I mean, yes. it sounds cliche to say uh, Norman Rockwellian, but she has some beautiful descriptions and she she is uh, articulates the um, way in which she was able to take for granted the safety she felt as a child, how she could take that for granted. We lived in a world where just safety was the norm. Um, she gives just really wonderful love letters to Akron before it was transformed by... This is what I mean by the book is sort of representative of... It's a, it's a great uh, a text almost for history because you almost wonder if the consequence of what her life turned out to be is just is the end product of all the change of, you know, freeways coming and, and small town life disappearing. And what does that do when you've displaced a kind of community? And she, for instance, I don't know if you remember, but she describes how people no longer sat on their front porches just, to, just for the purpose of sitting there to watch their own community as people walk the streets. They replaced that with driving straight into their garages and going into their homes and having her, their own ponderosas, as she put it. And she just does a really, she's very articulate of, about what the world that she participated in kind of wanting to destroy, I guess, or maybe feeling that, well, it's being destroyed. And it really was. She does explain it through, out of, it's out of her hands, the consequences of what happens to her small town and her charming downtown is then becomes just barren and, and People, you know, are losing their jobs. Storefronts are closing because they're going to larger and larger metropolitan areas. And to see that as the fertile ground kind of in which she started. So she's like this flower, if you will, starting in that kind of soil. And to see then what she does with that. There's got to be a better metaphor than flower. But to see what she then does with herself is... Um, you said sad. I don't even know what the word is. 
that's um, that's what I felt. I felt, you know, what's really interesting. She she had everything, or at least from the everything. sound of it, from the sound of it, and her upbringing and all of that. It sounded like she had a very nice sort of you know, uh, middle-class upbringing and, and a nice home and a nice, all of these nice things. And she, she rejected that so much to the detriment of her being. Oh my God. Yeah. And I never understood why I never really understood why I know she, she says, you know, everyone during that time was just trying to rebel against their parents and do all of this. And, you know, we've, we've all been teenagers and we've all rebelled against our parents. And I rebelled in my own way as one does when you're a teenager, but I mean, she <laughs> took it to the extreme, you know, and it's, right. and it's, and it's almost like, what, what was so bad? Like, I don't understand if it was in, in her home and her upbringing, although that's not the, that's not the impression you get from reading about not it. Not at all. And it's like, why did she, I guess, and I guess that's, that's where my, my, thing comes in about like i just i didn't understand where all of that came from and why she felt the need to lead the life that she did and i wish she would have explained more as to what was going on in your thinking that you felt that it was okay to to do all the things that you did i mean and, and again you know people can do whatever they want with their life you know and but at least enjoy what you're doing. And there didn't even seem mm. to be enjoyment in any of it. Right. And so that was sort of my, my thing and why I was so, you know, as I kept reading it, I, I mean, honestly, there were times where I just, I thought, okay, I need a break from this book because it's, it's just too much. It's too much of the same thing, which she then later acknowledges to, as you read on, you know, she acknowledges the fact and she says, yes, there's a lot, there's lots of drugs and lots of sex. That's what a drug, this is a drug a book about a drug addict. So that was really poignant to me too, that she acknowledges, yes, I'm talking a lot about, the, you know, a lot about these things. And, but it was, but again, there just never seemed to be any real pleasure in any of it. And so that was, that was what was so sad to me about all of it. You know, the, the, the conditions under which she lived too, when she had, you know, she talks about the the home that her parents had and, right. and that it was, you know, pretty much immaculate and perfect her and this modern, yeah, her parents sounded kind of cool, actually. They, they did. Of, yeah, they, they did. And I'm thinking, and you're living in with with an apartment that has a hole on the roof, and and what what and and with these people that you don't, what is going on? I just never understood any of it. And I know that she talks about how her her family. She just felt so restricted living at home. And listen, again, I could not wait. Where's your band? Well, that's just it. I yeah. guess that's right. You know, you, just, you didn't commit. I, I you didn't commit. I didn't commit to the rebellion. But, <laughs> but you know, but that's just it. Like, I mean, I couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house. Trust me, I could not wait. Uh, but I certainly didn't just go anywhere for the sake of getting out of the. You know, I was. Right. I, I think I, I was smart about the way that I did things. But I, I don't know. It was just very. Very interesting. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know, because she doesn't quite let you in, but it's, I yeah, got she the impression doesn't. that, yeah, despite all the factual uh, explain, explaining of all the circumstances in which she put herself, it just, in, in a variety of ways, I was a human being who just basically said, I'm going to blindfold myself and walk across the freeway and see if I survive. And uh, watching somebody put herself into circumstances like that, circumstances that some people 
uh, are forced into through no choice of their own. Um, basically, if we start talking about, I, I had a, maybe, you know, again, talking about these books, I think it's hard not to bring your own experience and ideas to it. But um, I mean, I felt like there were, there were two tracks. There was the drug track and this is, these are the things I did for drugs, with drugs uh, right. and how I use them. And then she added on to that. And here's what I did regarding sex. And when it got to the, the portions about sex, it was, I don't, again, I, I think I turned off a little bit as I had to read through it all to, to, you know what it reminded me of? Did you ever see Breaking the Waves? No. I don't know if you did. Okay. But the, it culminates with the lead actress being just hoisted off of a boat after an entire male crew has had their way with her and she's pretty much just lifeless at that point it's just a horrifying shot it's just a shot from a distance of this lifeless female being hoisted off the boat returned to whatever person brought her there and i felt like chrissy hind seemed to constantly be driving towards situations like that she discusses uh, this part i didn't get at all um, no part about it seemed rock and roll. No part about it seemed flower power. She seemed to have a bizarre fixation on biker gangs. Yes. And she basically just describes what I think to other people would just be a straight up gang rape. Correct. She, yeah. She just puts herself in this position and, and the, even the language in which she ta- describes being tossed around from guy to guy, uh, the, the language itself sort of remains, I don't know if her, what her intention was and after the fact still using language like sucking knobs off and you know being it was graphic uh it was uncomfortable to read it was uncomfortable because of the weird it certainly wasn't told i I don't know i guess it it was her way of of saying i respond i accept responsibility for having put myself into these positions but I mean, that that wasn't just a singular example. She no, was, it wasn't. I guess. And she, yet sometimes she would describe the incidences in some way that you'd have to infer. Was there even more? Yes. Rape slash sex going on, like in the elevator with the biker gang? It's, and- you know, it's interesting. She actually, there was an inner, when this book first came out, she did an interview with NPR. And that particular incident with the gang and all of that was brought up in a question okay and she was very she never really gave a clear answer and then she did but then it was you know she kind of just said well I wrote what I wrote and it's there and I never used the word rape and I never and she got pretty defensive defensive when when the interviewer asked her about it and and you know we we can we can link to that interview um, on our website, and people can can listen to her because she does talk a little bit about that, and she goes on to talk about a couple of other things in the book. But it was very interesting to me how, yes, she writes about all of these things in a in a very detached, unemotional sort of way, and and. I don't know. A lot of a lot right. of the things that she describes, again, for me personally, were difficult to read, right. and and I thought to myself, my goodness, you know, again, it's it's a miracle that this woman is still here, having gone yeah. through everything that she has gone through, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous that she's still here. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know. I, 
all I can say is I'm reading this going, I don't know that this person, to go back to your divine intervention, because apart from her serving some purpose, I guess, but the, I don't know what that is. I don't see this as somebody who deserves to be here. If you play Russian roulette that many times, there's so many of these things. Uh, I interrupted you. But, no, um, no, no, no. I I, I, yeah. I I know what you're saying. I mean, again, should these things have happened to her? No. I mean, I think that whether she was intoxicated or high on drugs, I, you know, I don't think that those things should have happened to her in no way, shape or form. Certainly that didn't give these men the right to, well, to do the things hmm. that they did to her. I, but, but here's the thing, you know, I, I think ultimately she herself has said that she takes full responsibility for I everything bet. that's then happened to her. And, but I don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's all so much. Um, and like you said, I mean, it, it happens, it, it started happening. All of these experiences started happening to her from such a young age. Yeah. And that was the part that was just, I think the most I, troubling I, I, for me. I, I, I got to interrupt you because you said experiences that keep happening to her. And I got to take issue with that. And that's the, 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 to me, the, the crux of the book is they weren't happening. She put herself purposefully in these situations to have them, you know, and I feel like to say they were happening to her is like, well, she had no control over the matter. Even the biker gang, she seemed to know ahead of time and explain to the reader that she knew exactly what biker gangs do and did and, and the habits of these people and seemed to find that appealing and seemed to want to put herself into that situation merely for the, for the, so she could say she'd have the experience, I guess. It seemed a lot of the time it did come across that way. It did come across as though, you know, with the drugs, especially, I mean, she was always looking to to get high. And it seemed like so much of what she did was just as a way to score. Uh, but and yes, I, I, I understand what you're saying. But again, I, I think that being in a state you know when a woman is drunk or 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 high it it doesn't it shouldn't give men the freedom to do what they want i understand with that person and so that's that's where that's where where you know that's the way i feel about that you know as a woman you know I, i don't think that that's an excuse to take advantage of a situation but did she look for all of these things? She says she did. Yeah. She did. You know, she says that she did. And so she you, found them all. And she found them all. And you can't, you know, when she's telling you, I did this, well, and I was looking for this and I wanted this and I wanted to do it. Well, you've got to take it at face value. If someone is they telling you, you they, know, yeah. if someone is telling you what they wanted and, and th- that that's what they were looking for and that right. all of these different experiences were things that they were looking for, well, you've got to accept what they're telling you. And, you do. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, certainly, but, but again, you know, I, she writes about, you know, what's interesting, you know, what's interesting about this Christian, what's really interesting to me is that so far with, with these last three books that we've read, there seems to be, and I found that curious with this one too, that there always seems to be a bit of this detachment from some of the stories that they tell. 
Sure. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I guess, I guess in part it is because, you know, that it, it's happened and now they're just kind of looking back and looking at it from a, a different perspective, perhaps. But there is always that detachment. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is that the commonality between Johnny, Johnny Marr, Morrissey and Al Chrissy is in their retelling of their encounters with people who they admire. Yes, for sure. Where that you, is a commonality. Where you get a bit of the story, but not all of it, and you're left wondering, wondering. okay, so what else yeah. happened? Right. So I'm glad you brought that up, because unless it was a dream sequence, David Bowie is in her family's car. Yes. And I, and I the way she wrote it, I'm like, did that really happen? Because if it did, why are you not sharing more of that story? <laughs> yes. That's how I felt, too. And I thought... Okay, here we go again. Another right. one of these encounters with one of your heroes, and right. you're super excited. He's actually in your car. In your car, your and you're dr- Yeah, <laughs> and you're driving him to a diner, and then you're right. done, and you move on to the next story. And it's like, yeah, no, 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 let's no, go back. No, no. What go did he back. order? What right. did you talk about at the diner? What did he smell like? Yeah, everything. like tell me everything about that. But no, she cuts it short, and she's on she to the next story. She is. She seemed to give the same amount of weight to every story she yes. told. So yeah. in that regard, they all seem just the same size to have the same value. Right. Uh, super quick digression. I mean, if, if it's not abundantly clear, David Bowie is now the lynch. Not well. He is the mecca like icon now for three people. The three people yes. we've read. He is the dude. And, and he is. I feel more and more stupid that I never saw the man in concert when I had the chance. Oh my gosh. But, that was that's and, one of my biggest regrets that I never really, saw him live. But you know what? Okay, to go back to again to her habit of I feel like she decided to put the hat on. I'm only gonna tell the degrading stories. And if or the even or the portion of the story that is degrading, because again she tells us that David Bowie's in the station wagon, which is awesome, right? Right. But then, like you, like where's the rest of the story? However, <laughs> yes. she she decides to treat us to graphic descriptions of Iggy Pop's penis and yes. in bed with him again. I'm like, God, this is. I would really have preferred to hear more about that one. About David uh, Bowie than this, yes, right. Than than this, or at least same you know detailed account of that. But uh, yeah, you're right. She does. She does seem to come to. I don't know if come to life is the right word. She is very forthcoming about. Uh, there's no mistaking how insanely passionate she is about bands and music. Not I at mean, all. that that's in fact maybe the only thing that drives her consistently throughout the whole book is how she feels about meeting these people and I mean the way in which she just even describes making eye contact with Iggy Pop yes and if you're a music fan you know how that feels you know you know that feeling and I feel like I to some degree these people always remain fans they're just fans who made it yes and this struggle I did enjoy I know we're kind of switching around and I don't I don't want to do that but um but I'm still going to do it because I'm selfish I did enjoy. And we're rock stars. You remember that? That's right. We can do. We, <laughs> we want. can There's do whatever no we want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to digress to say, it felt so. I was almost finished with her book, and because I'm, I think I'm the snobbier of the two, in in different areas than you are. I only yes, read these books in first edition hardcovers. Okay, and so while I'm reading Christy Hines, I spilled a a pineapple vodka cocktail I'd made all over the book. <laughs> oh no, and I just thought, that's I thought, tragic. Well, that, well, it was very fitting for hers. I thought, well, well, well that yes, that too. That too. 
Right. But that is tragic, um, though, have, doing that, having was. that happen to I a book. I cleaned it. Oh, my God, I did my best. Okay, I good. might just have to buy another one. Um, <laughs> yeah. to, but but it feels weirdly backwards to have a pristine mint copy of somebody's story who's so scarred and whatever. <laughs> Back to my point, she I did enjoy, she let us in in a way that the previous two have not, about what it was like to sort of become famous and how she dealt with that and poorly and yes. by being rude to people mm-hmm. um, constantly. But um, I, I did enjoy that section at the end. Um, but anyway, let's, let's go back to the, the, to her, her, the consistent theme of these people just meeting their heroes. She met Rod Stewart. I actually lost, lost track. And so I did, I did have a moment. Okay. So like you, I feel like she drags you into the swamp into a literal sewer, a moral sewer of existence. However, by hook or by crook, or maybe through pain, just uh, being willing, you know, her willingness to put herself into any extreme situation, she certainly seemed to find the pond, the pond of fertility from in that British section of the book. I mean, oh my gosh, she met everyone, she know? She met and not everyone. just everybody, but at the form- formative stages. She yes, was, she knows the Sex Pistols. She's yes. got Sid Vicious sleeping in her bed. She's she. Johnny Rotten is having sensitive conversations about dealing with fame. Yes. We learned, I did not know this. I'm, I'm guessing you didn't either. I didn't know that she was potentially a found, well, was there when the clash was forming. She almost, I didn't know that. Yes. I didn't know that either. I found that interesting because I didn't know that. I, yeah, I almost feel like she's super groupied her way just by sheer, I'm going to be in a band too. I know all of you, you're all my friends. And it just, I, I've always been fascinated by particularly the, that British, this, this section of British music history. These Same. people who seem largely non-functioning, to, I get the impression they never bathe. All they do is do <laughs> drugs. Yet well, that's pretty, much, have, that's pretty much what she says in the book. Though. Right, right. <laughs> I, how do they have the wherewithal, however, to still show up? rehearse you know to tune their guitar passion passion for the music i guess passion. they're just able to be organized enough in that one area of life and i i would kind of i'm not too worried but i would hate for the takeaway as much as she says that this is a drug story i never really got any sentence that said by the way kids don't do what i did I never, there's no declarative sentence at any point where she says, if it's not obvious to you, don't get on this particular freeway. And she doesn't. And she, she never does. And in and, fact, when that NPR interview, which I, I really, um, okay. I really suggest that everyone take a listen if you haven't already listened to it's it. It's not going to be as interesting as ours. I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. And it's, it's a lot shorter <laughs> right. too. It's like five minutes, right. but yeah. uh, she, she says that she specifically says, I'm not here to tell people how to live their life. I'm just here to tell my story. And well, so, and, and, and so you won't get that from her. You know, that's not, okay. that's not her, that's not what she wants to do. She just wants to tell I her would, story. It's hard not to, there did seem to be a, a takeaway that if you, without having any direction whatsoever, except a willingness to do anything and to literally do anything, she did succeed in becoming the thing she wanted to be. Yes. And although, although she was always very insecure about it and not sure always 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 in fact that 
that was the only consistently, I felt like, human part of her that crops up throughout the book. That she talks about, and, and when it, that portion of her emerges, it felt like the voice of it felt like a 12-year-old girl. It was the only part left of her that seemed to be without all those purposefully, all those self-blemishes, you know? But those occasional instances where she talks about her insecurity, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. My, it doesn't matter. I'm a rock star. I can just start talking about <laughs> lasagna, can, yeah. and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she it's, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the chapter on when she finally, when she finally arrives in London. Okay. And I liked the way that she talked about how she felt being there. She'd always wanted to be there. Right. And yeah. and how she talked about it. And that really resonated with me just because I really enjoy traveling. And I know when I finally get to go to a place that I wanted to go to, you know, all of those feelings. Mm-hmm. I could relate to her excitement and I could relate to sort of the love affair that she was having with this, you know, with the city when she got there and walking around and and all of that. So I enjoyed that. And I thought, okay, I wish there was more of this. I want more of this in, in this book. I wish there would have been more of this at the beginning of it too. Because she really sort of lets you in on what she was feeling and what she was right. thinking. And 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 her excitement was palpable to me. I think it the way, was. It you know, was. the way she wrote yeah. about it, I thought, oh my gosh, she's, she's making me remember, you know, when I right. was in London and how excited I was and, and you know, those sorts of things. She, so I like that. She still seems to... Um, even by the end of the book, to be enamored with London, she does, yeah, yeah. Like and yeah. that and that was nice, you know, the fact that she still has this great love for for that city, and and so I I, I appreciated that. I I enjoyed that too. It, again, it got lost. I think she goes to, I mean, she goes to London and to Paris and to London. Yes. Her whole life is just chaos. It, her life was chaos, and it how was. she never pulled it out of a tailspin. In fact, as you put it, divine intervention. Uh, I could, we should come up with like a verb for it, but like the Johnny Marr chocolate on the window. She, you know, she's just at the bottom of her barrel, and she gets telegrams at desperate moments. Yeah, saying, uh, by the way, I need a lead singer to be, you know, a superstar. Uh, right. It's again going back to that moment we've talked about, Martha. It apparently comes in the form, you know, some miraculous little telegram or the smudge. Yes. I don't know in what form it will happen to us. But uh, it'll happen soon it, enough. Don't you it's worry. Going to. <laughs> don't <laughs> you, know, you worry. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed it didn't happen this week. Really. Same. Me too. Yeah, I quit my job. Oh, did you? I mean, I just, well, yeah. I, I'm a person of faith. I do the thing well, and good then for no, you. it'll come. Anyway, it'll come. Whatever. It, it's just around the corner. I can feel I it. So I've heard stories. I'm sure everybody has in various capacities about actors or actresses and a casting couch and things they have to do and rumors about Keanu Reeves and, you know, just things that people talk about at parties when they're bored and whatnot. <laughs> and those stories are always told in ways as if a person in power says, I have the keys to your dream, do this thing. And then you can have access to it. And the person does the thing, but the story is always told in a way that the person doing the thing understands the cost it's not something they would otherwise want to do. Chrissy Hines seemed to have no issue. She seemed to, it was the opposite. Her story was the opposite. She did all of those things without anybody offering anything just for the purpose of doing them. I mean, I know I'm sort of returning to what we talked about, but I mean, it's a portion where she just, oh, oh my God. So talk about how she's still alive. She goes to school. I thought, 
I remember reading this part of this book going, I can't believe I'm reading the story about a person in this circumstance, in this place of the world. And it, and I know the story ends up with her in a recording studio, right? Or singing at the Hollywood Bowl. Right. She just arbitrarily, because she needs to fool her parents, she ends up going to some bizarre university in Mexico. Oh my gosh, right? yes, <laughs> right? yes. And the first thing she does when she gets off the bus in this foreign land, Instead of going into the university, I would have raced to that place. Like, well, at least there's some measure of some kind of safety. No, she just, she looks at it as a foreboding institution with barbed wire. Right. It's the barbed wire that just makes her get out of that bus. And Oh, (laughs) right. Because that's scary. But what's not scary, she turns to three total strangers, three men, and chooses one of them and says, can I come live with you, essentially? And I'm reading that going, how is this woman alive still? And she tells multiple stories like that. She's in Canada. I need a place to stay. Oh, that's right. Some guy. That's right. The Canadian. I, that's correct. Right. You lose track. There's just so yes. many of these people. I mean, I, boy, I tell you, if, if the United States of America had like, let's all behave like Chrissy Hine for one day, <laughs> it would decimate 10% of the population overnight. <laughs> So I saw her at a very intimate uh, acoustic session at my local record store. So what happened was that after she wasn't going to do a signing, she had actually just arrived from, she had flo- She had actually just gone straight in from London to the record store. She'd just driven there. They, you know, she'd been driven there straight from LAX and uh, she didn't. Uh, initially she said she wasn't going to do any signings. She wasn't going to do any sort of greet and meets with fans. She was just going to play. And that was fine. Everybody was elated to be so close to her and to listen to her sing. And afterwards, you know, she just really took a liking to the crowd because everybody was doing as she said, you know, she requested that no photos. She requested that everybody obeyed. And and she, you know, the first thing she said was, I'm jet lagged. I'm tired. I just went from London. Don't take any photos because you guys never, you guys never post the flattering ones. You post the ones where I look like crap. Well, maybe 30 years of constant drug abuse (laughs) and drinking a full bottle of Jack Daniels breakfast has something to do with that. And so, and so no one, you know, I got it real quick. uh I just love how this woman who's been her life rebelling against all rules has so many and is pissed off at her little little shindig if you don't follow them all but go on well you know she's the virgo us virgos can be that way so so then so then she said so no photos and of course everyone respected that and no one took photos and then later on halfway through the set she says you know i have to say i'm a little hurt no one is even bothering to take a photo like not even sneaking a photo in i mean it was very funny and she's and she's funny and she said you know Go ahead if you want to, but just make sure you get my good side. So, okay. of course, everyone started taking photos after that. And, um, you know, she, when it was over, um, you know, they, they announced that she was, in fact, going to want to meet fans because Whoa. everyone, you know, she really enjoyed the she crowd. She probably needed a place to stay at. <laughs> she, she, uh, I could have got lucky, but uh, just showed stop. up. She, uh, All I had to do is be a little rude. Stop, she stop. <laughs> and she, uh, she said, you know, that she thought she had thought everybody had been so nice. And yeah, she'll 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 meet and Boy. meet people and whatnot. But she did say, I'm not going to sign any pretenders records. Whatever. So, of course, what do people do? They 
they they had all what their pretend. Do do? What do people do? And right, so, like, of I course, they all had their pretenders records, and she started getting angry. <laughs> love it. And I will she, only sign my free jazz experimental <laughs> album. Wow. No, no, she hadn't released that one yet. Whatever. And, and, and so she she started getting angry and she said the first person the first person she told that first person um i said i'm not signing i'm sorry i'm not and she just kind of like pushed them aside you know like i'm not signing these records well after the fourth or fifth person who showed up with her their pretenders records um she started dropping a couple of f-bombs and she said she was done and she wasn't having it and i'm out of here i'm so tired i'm jet lagged and i told you guys i wasn't going to be signing any pretenders record I love it. and she starves away and of course i'm standing there both kind of loving this moment because i've heard of her right. outburst and the fact that i'm actually watching it in real time i was kind of excited <laughs> about it and i thought oh my gosh you go chrissy uh, you know so such a bitch it's great yeah i'm like this is awesome like i get it if i was tired and jet lagged i'd probably start you know if i was a rock star i'd probably say the same thing right so i'm totally fine but i'm kind of like oh well this really stinks i'm not going to get to meet her and i was really looking forward to it so as she starts walking away a couple of people make their way around her and she actually stopped and was meeting people and signing stuff you know and so i approached her and everybody's like giving her stuff and you know she's very very small she's very petite which okay. I was, which I was really surprised about because right. I, I think she just has such a personality and she's such she a, does seem large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and I was surprised at just how how petite she was, and so you know I I I said to her I said you know Chrissy I've I've been such a fan for so many years I said I've been listening to you since I was eight years old and she kind of stopped and everyone around you know did the ah you know when uh. I said that and so she kind of stopped uh and, and she looked. She looked at me and and she looked straight at me and she said Did you get high with her? I did I what? Did you get high with her? I did not. No, I did not. Opportunity missed. No, no. And um and she said thanks. And oh. that was really yeah, she just said thanks. And she just kind of looked thanks. at me like thanks. She said, thank you. But that was I had a little moment with her because she'd been in such a foul mood. So I thought, oh, right. I, I oh. had I had a little You cheered her up. I cheered her up by telling her my story. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, brought, I, like I brought a little bit of joy to Chrissy at that moment. You did. Not many people can do that. <laughs> no. After reading that book. But you know what? I'm a Virgo, what? so she probably sensed it. She sure, sensed. She, she sensed. Did. She sensed the Virgo energy. She just, she just. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if she would. I don't think she would have liked. Me. I don't think. I don't think that would have worked out. You know, I would. So when reading these books, you know, both Morrissey and Johnny Marr. There are their lives were intertwined with Miss Hyatt, which is were. in fact one of the reasons we picked, you know, to read her yes, book next. Yes. And I was a little so after reading, I mean, I knew nothing. I could not have guessed it, it to, to the kind of life this person had led. And it was really weird to think that this woman who who is so rock and roll and angry and and certainly adopted adopts the the, the old fashioned rock and roll attitude swagger. Yes. Right? And all the things she's endured and put up with, to think of her, that person, firing Johnny Marr for being late, I was like, well, that's, that's how do you, I couldn't reconcile this person, like, demanding punctuality. I could. You know, with, I, well, kind of, I mean, I don't know, it was where you're even, as much as we read about these people, you really just still have to just fill in so many blanks. Um, I didn't, after reading this book, though, 
I'll have to assume that, I mean, if both Johnny Moore and Morrissey, who are such different people, both say how great she is to, and like how much fun she is to hang around with, I guess I'll take their words for it, but I don't know that I'd want to have a beer with Chrissy Hind. I just think I would be, I don't know, waiting for her to punch me in the head or waiting <laughs> for her to, to lose her patience or it just, I don't, it, it didn't. It didn't, I couldn't quite do that. And similarly, I'm, I'm thinking about, as I'm reading the, the hardcore nature of the book. I mean, it's hardcore. It is. It is triple X, as hardcore as it gets. It is. To think that the product of all of that was like 2,000 Miles, a song about Santa. I'm so it's glad. Like, how, how do you go? No, I am so <laughs> glad you bring this up because this is what I want to, I, I, I want to talk about this. Okay. And I think that that is just it. You know, she comes across is so hard and so tough. But then in the book, she does give you those few moments, albeit they are, they are few and, and rare in between, but she shows you her vulnerability and her insecurities. And if you listen to her music and if you listen to her lyrics, the majority of her songs are about love and heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And what also stood out to me at the very beginning of the book, which could get lost as you read all of these crazy things that she goes through, sure. is that at the very beginning of the book, she says that she would come to find out, and I'm paraphrasing. I remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That love was fleeting, that it was never uh-huh. permanent. And I think that part of the reason that I love her music as much as I do is because there is that level of vulnerability in it. And I was listening to her music or to the pretenders before we started recording today. And that was the common denominator in so many of the albums and so many of the songs. There is so much heartbreak and sadness in her music and you know this about me and people who know me and know what kind of music I like know that I love that in music. I love it in art. I don't like to experience it personally, but, (laughs) but but there is, there is, there is, there is so much. So you let other people experience it for you. No, no, no. I I, I appreciate it. You know, I think, I don't think you get to be our age without having experienced a little bit of heartbreak along the way. Right. But I've never experienced it. You've never experienced heartbreak. Oh, you're, no. you're, you're a different Christian. But, yeah. but you're sensitive. You're a refined palate. But you're many different. of us, many of us have experienced heartbreak and sadness. And I think that we would rather leave all that behind, you know. But again, in art, in music, in films, I, 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 I appreciate I, it and I and I love it. And there's a level of romanticism to that that I really, really love. And so much of her music has that element to it. And I feel like that's where she lets us in to a part of her that she possibly keeps private most of the time. And and because, I mean, you have songs like 2000 Miles, Show Me. Um, Do you want to know 2000? I had to read. I had to Wikipedia the thing after I read the book to learn that 2000 Miles was written for Jimmy, the guitarist. Yes. He killed himself. Yes. And, but it's also kind of about Santa Claus. It's a Christmas time song. Well, it sort of has been turned into Appropriated. that. Yes, but it's... it's well, it's, she mentions he's gone. He'll be back at Christmas time. Right, right. <laughs> but it's not them. like, you know, 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas song. Right. <laughs> but, I, but true. you know. It's unless Rudolph, it, you know, we're crack addicts. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but, but it's certainly, you know, but so many of her songs, I mean, for goodness sake, she has an album titled, titled Viva el Amor, which is Spanish for live, you know, uh, what is it? Right. Long live love. And you know okay. who that was, you know, some of the songs in that album were produced by going back to our friends, Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Who was it? See, I don't know this. Tell some me. of these, some of the songs on that album were produced by Stephen Street. Stephen Street. Yes. Ah. Yes. Yes. Boy, Stephen Street, he pops up. So I, I hope think, he reads a book. I think, yes. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. that's a book we would definitely have to read. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So many of her songs are truly, you know, very sweet and very they, sad. They are. Yes. They, they, it's, it's you would never think listening to no, the music that you wouldn't. The person singing them has this kind of life behind. Her. Exactly, exactly, um, and so it gives you a different I, perspective, I think, too. I gotta, you know what though? I I'm just I don't. I hear what you're saying. I'm sure if I read the lyrics, all you're saying is accurate. It just doesn't connect with me. I don't feel too much when I listen to the Pretenders. The only song that succeeds at producing any feeling for me is "Back on the Chain Game." Well, that's a great song. Right. I mean, so just better than the. I just it is. Um, it's not better than the others, though. I think you just. I think so. Uh, yeah. I, I think if you listen to some of the other stuff, you would you would maybe maybe think that I other stuff. I get, you're is right. Good. I I could. I, I just don't have. But that's a great song. She also goes out of her way to to, and I appreciate her honesty and describing. I do what too. An, what an amateur musician she is, and I I appreciate that. I thought that was. That's great. I mean, I'm here for honesty. She's certainly not. I have no qualms or faults in that regard with her honesty. But I guess as a result, I don't really impute to her music a whole lot. I mean, it's got certainly the attitude and the vigor and the, you know, all that verb, that that rock and roll, (laughs) punk rock stuff. But ultimately, you know, even if you marry it to lyrics like that, it just, I don't know. And plus... I, you know, it's, I'm hit or miss with female singers. Just as a person, we all got our things. So I, I, I think you just took a shine, to, you take a shine more closely to them than I well, do. Well, that's so. just it. You know, that's and, just... Oh, can I say one more thing real quick? Real yes. Quick? I never got an impression from a book that she really had any kind of love, any, any deep-seated, any deep romance or affection or, hey, here are the two big loves of my life chapter. That never happens in this story. She's got a, just a thousand male faces that come and go. I only kind of vaguely got that odd impression from Ray Davies. I was about to who, say that. Me right, too. Who, by the way, I've read many things about him. And he seems like a, a class A dickhead, even though he's incredibly talented, that guy. He himself I mean, has hope, said that. He himself has said that about himself. <laughs> yeah, he's just famous. He'll own that. He's famous for it. He, he, was set, he used to live next door to John Lennon at the... Um, I'm blanking because I'm of a certain age, but um, <laughs> they live next door and he hated John Lennon. He was just a dick. And I thought actually that was the perfect ma- marriage would have been between Chrissy Hine and Ray Davies. And I can't imagine the kind of volatile arguments those two. I bet they'd make Johnny Depp and Amber Heard look like <laughs> hand-holding, fun-loving, you know, flower children compared to what those two must have been. But even that relationship, she sort of, hints at and talks about but then before you know it well he was I mean, well he was he was also married at the time 
I didn't know that. Did she say that in a book? Maybe I, she I didn't say it, but that's that's a, that's a known that. that's a known thing. I didn't know that. She she and had so an also, she had an affair with him. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I also did. I mean, I only knew through Wikipedia because I've I, for whatever reason, probably in law school when I was bored, I used to read a lot about random things. I'd read about <laughs> her and remembered that she was married to. This is bizarre. Yes, she was married to Jim. Kerr. Yes, from Simple Minds. The lead singer of Simple Minds. That makes zero sense to me at all. Not that I know anything about Jim Kerr, but she doesn't talk. She talks about that in the book, a grand total of zero sentences, unless I misread or didn't read correctly. No, because I did. Well, because she stops. She stops at that point. You know, she stops right after the death of of the two band members. And then it's that's where the book ends, essentially. Um, So she met him after that. So... Jim, that is. Okay, but, that's okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and I have to say, I, you know, personally, uh, I am very particular about, about a lot of things, but I am, I am especially particular about the, the female singers that, that I like. I know, and that I, I listen appreciate to, that too. And that I listen to. Um, and and I, I don't know why that is, but I, I've always, I always have been. But Chrissy Hine is just someone that I love her voice. I, I think she's, I like her persona. I, you know, I do too. I, I, do. I, and I, and she has such great, I mean, she has such great stage presence. It's, it's unreal, you know, and, and, and she just rocks, you know, she just really is, is great. And so I've always really liked her and I've always I think that that's what's always made me gravitate towards her and her music, um, that she just presents herself in such a confident, awesome sort of way, even though she clearly says it's all an act. <laughs> you know? I know, I appreciate that. I, I appreciated that. that too. I and you know, too. and I, I will yeah. say that, that that was the one thing, as, as hard as some of the things were to read throughout the book, I always appreciated her honesty. I always appreciated her not making excuses for herself. Yes, that there was not one excuse no, in the whole book. No, no. and I appreciated yeah. that because I just appreciate that in people in general. And so I appreciated that she that she just never made an excuse. And there were times where she said, it's what I was doing. I was stupid. Or I yeah, was, I, this, this is what I did. And and I, I know I shouldn't have, but I did. And, you know, and she's always really honest with you as the reader, uh, where she's not sugarcoating anything. And That's for sure. Yeah. And, but I also really appreciated her sharing with us, like, no, it's, it's, I'm not this confident. As long as you pretend, people don't know the difference when you're on stage. Right. Uh, you know, her saying, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. You know, I would get stage fright and I would throw up. And, you know, all of these things that you hear about, you know, some, some people saying other singers saying, but she is so clearly honest about it. And she never does. She pretend that, you know, all of a sudden, once I, I became famous, all of that went away. If anything, it was, it, it some, yes, yeah. it continued even more to some degree where she didn't want to be recognized on the streets where she always, you know, the other thing that I also really appreciated was that she never wanted to be singled out. She, she, and you know, she, I, yeah. she, she talks about, I, I worked so hard to have a band. The right. last thing yeah. I wanted was to be shown as a solo singer, just me. I, I needed the whole band with me at all times. I, and it's almost as though she needed that as protection too, as sure. though she yeah, needed that as, as security. 
Um, so I appreciated all of that. And I think that spoke to her character too, in spite of all the crazy things that she did, in spite of, you know, all of that and, and all the, everything, you know, uh, I appreciated the fact that she was loyal to herself and to the people that she was with and that, no, I'm not, it's not going to be just about me. If I'm saying this is about us, it's truly about all of us. And so I respected that. And I think that spoke highly of her as a person where she, you know, at least in spite of everything, at least she, she, she respected the people that she worked with enough to give them equal footing in all that she did. So I, I thought that that was cool. So to talk about her band, yes. um, something I did not know is that two of the band members, original band members, the pretenders died Yeah, with what, what I think it was within eight, nine months of one another. Correct. By the way, when I, I got I hate to keep harping on, but when I read that she was pregnant, Chrissy Hine, yes. I'm like, what kind of drug cocktail is in that woman's system? Anyway, to go back to her bandmates, they both die. And I guess the, the mother of, I mean, talk about, yeah. so one dies of cocaine abuse and heart issues. Right. I don't even want to know what quantity is involved in that. And the other dies of a heroin overdose. Right. And he, I guess, does so in the bathtub and he falls asleep yes. in the water and dies. So the mother of Jimmy, and by the way, she, I really appreciate it to, to go back to your I appreciate the quantity of credit she keeps heaping on how talented her guitar player was. Yes. And how, what a wonderkind he was. I loved reading about how these little details in, you do get in these, in, these, in these autobiographies, these weird happenstances you would never hear of that he, Jimmy, I don't know his last name, I forgot it. And Eddie Van Halen, I guess, just hit it off, right, after a show. Oh, right. And, and Eddie Van Halen's manager quickly rented out some empty auditorium just so the two of them could rock out yes. for hours. Yes. And I just thought, wow, that spoke to how much these people just love music. And, you know, like, and I, I loved that detail. And I enjoyed hearing about how much credit she gave to the artistry of this guy, his, just, his chops as a guitar player. But he dies at 25, which is, it's obscenely young. I, you can't even think about it. And then the mother shows up at Chrissy Hines' house uh, filled with pre pretty much accusations of you're responsible for, you know, had you not fired my son, he wouldn't have done this to himself. And she says, well, it was his doing that to himself, which prompted us to fire him. But my, the reason I brought this up, though, I thought she let herself off the hook a little bit. Uh, to suggest that that somehow that lifestyle that 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 of which she was participating on that tour bus, and by the way, she does a, a I don't know if great's the right word, but a, a, a thorough job of describing what life on that tour bus yes, was like she and does. any tour bus. Yes, yeah. yes. And actually, I felt again like that little twelve-year-old girl emerged, where she says it was like a boy's heaven, but I just could never got used to it. And I always sat up front with the bus driver watching yes. the scenery and stuff, and. But she, I, you know, I, she certainly helped maintain the temperature of that, of, of those conditions, you know, and to, right. as, as if it, these people just uh, somehow died independent of their experience with the pretenders is, is ridiculous. It just sounded like the most, and again, another uh, successful um, telling she gives is the, 
the the performances that pretenders get after having I mean you and I Martha can only guess to in terms of what kind of hangovers the pretenders I mean if, oh if you imagine the quantity of drugs and alcohol these people are used to I can't right? even I can't even. so to imagine what it takes for them to have hangovers and then she describes at the absolute worst of that physical experience realizing we have to go on stage now <laughs> oh my gosh and, and it was night was, after night yeah and I again going back to how honest she is she said you know and it makes sense that those are performances were in fact the best ones because they had to dig so hard to find the, the ability to pull them off and then like a typical human being like oh wow that was amazing our <laughs> adrenaline our adrenaline has purged the hangover we had a great show you know what we should do we should have a drink and get loaded all over again right. so i thought to the way in which she describes the, the death of these are human beings who are now dead you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, again, this is all just me reading this book from my comfy little chair, drinking coffee every morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm rendering these judgments, but she certainly invites, you know, uh, an opinion. This is um, of the th- of all the that we've read so far, the thousands of biographies we've read. <laughs> thousands, she, thousands. She, hers is certainly. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine that we're going to read. Oh, we might be surprised. Well, maybe we will. We don't know. Maybe we you will. Know, maybe maybe we she, will. maybe she really is just a poser, and we'll we'll read about people who really went hardcore. <laughs> and we'll be like, and, that Chrissy yeah, it was it was nothing. It was, it was nothing. nothing. You really are a pretender. You're just a poser. <laughs> By the way, I thought I did enjoy reading because Sam Cooke is my all time to me the greatest singer that ever lived, one of the great songwriters of all time, Sam Cooke. You've it mentioned this, him. yes. It was from him that, that Chrissy. Yes. I did not know that detail. I love, I love those little bits of music history trivia. When I read that, that I didn't know. when I read that, I thought, oh, Christian is going to like this part <laughs> because I know that that's how you feel. I love that I, part. I, yeah, that's, I, love I know that's that how you part. feel about him. You're right. So I guess the story is, is she was dating somebody. One of um, she had a, one or two boyfriends apparently, and I guess. Uh, I, I also thought it was charming that in private he shared with her that was his all-time yes. favorite song with yes. Sam version of The Great Pretender. Yes. And and I thought, boy, these, these I don't know, this rock and roll swagger thing is something they're really loyal to. They can't admit to somehow. It seemed mutually exclusive. You couldn't like Sam Cooke, you know, out loud. You had to do that in private and put on, keep your rock and roll jacket. Well, I think that sometimes some of us, you know, might like the music of some people that we might not be. Oh, I have no, see, I'm more candid. <laughs> we might not want to. I was listening to air supply yesterday <laughs> and just thinking this is the greatest band. Of all well, can time. I just tell you something? That was me when I was younger. I was even more of a music snob and I wouldn't admit to liking certain bands, but now, Oh my gosh, give me my foreigner any day, you know? <laughs> all of it. Oh, oh yeah. Thank you, care. I mean, Thank all you, that Kareth, stuff. For sure. A, yeah, I guess I was a bigger, more like you put it. I was more not discriminating, but just. Uh, I wouldn't more admit to liking certain songs. Bad. Oh, I've gone the full. Uh, you know. I've gone 180. Now I extol the virtues of well, bands like that. Like, listen to this is pure, perfect <laughs> pop perfection, man. Yeah, like yeah, now I have no. Foreigner. Now I have no shame. But before, you know, I had to. Had to pretend. Well, no, it's the other way around. There's nothing to be ashamed around. But when you're, yeah, you think. But when you're well, younger, you, know you just want to be, you know, you don't. That was just before our time. And so, again, like, 
to if it was before your time and you're young, you think it had no value. Well, foreigner, is, foreigner was around when we were kids. I mean, we weren't that young. Yeah, we were but like come teenagers. on, they were on their last legs. Come on, <laughs> even then that hair I was like these guys were like passe. Oh my lord, all that stuff. There's no more shame in that video. Who you really like now? <laughs> no, I love it. Are you kidding me? I wanna know. What oh my is. gosh. Okay, you don't have to. I, you don't have oh to serenade God. our listeners. I do because they appreciate it because I'm a rock star. But just the other day, I read a Wikipedia article about the creation of that song. <laughs> you and these and it's Wikipedia like, pages. Riveting. Oh my God, you have no idea. You have no idea. Okay, let's come back to Chrissy. Let's come back to Chrissy Hyde. Fine. All right. Whatever. Okay. All right, Chrissy. Um, well, what what more of Chrissy is, you know, he, uh, I think we're done. I think, <laughs> I think we are done. With are we done? Yes. You know, she did that thing. She seems, I think also, there seems to be like a phase two or three of people like Chrissy Hines. And, and I'm going to lump her into like the Rod Stewart category for self-evident reasons. But they decide in the like the last stages of their career, I'm going to release albums that are just cover versions of my favorite songs. I'm going to sing jazz standards. That's a great you know? album, though. I have to say, she... I, I'm sure it is. She sounds wonderful is they, in that album. I think young Chrissy Hine would have accused old Chrissy Hine of being a sellout. And it's... Possibly. It's, I, think it, I think it must be... I don't, I just gotta, I don't know. It's, we'll find out when we become famous. Yes. You know, yes. Our, you know, <laughs> when we get to, when she gets to be a guest. <laughs> no, I don't, I'd, I'd be intimidated. I really would. It's like, I don't, you're going to throw something at me and be nice to me. Are you, <laughs> I feel about her the way she describes Iggy Pop, who, by the way, again, that's another figure who keeps, he and the New York dolls really just. Yes. Keep, popping yeah, up in I all think, these books. Right. Their, their place in terms of their uh, importance and influence, boy, it can't be um, overstated. Not at all. It seems. Not at and all. I, and she describes Iggy Pop as being either, you either met, met one of two versions. Yes. One was a straight A high school student that was like very polite or that weird out of control, not weird, but just, you know, that other persona, the out of control rock punk god. And I think I would feel that way about Chrissy Hine. Like, I don't know. Am I getting the one that just wants to hang out and have tea and talk about vegetarianism and jazz standards? And her or paintings. You, you know, she paints. She, oh, she's God, painting. I know. Yeah. See, see I, you know what? Look, I'm going to go on a rant now if you bring that up. Oh, I love, I love how these celebrities decide that, well, I'm talented at everything. And everything I do now is somehow at the professional level. But she was painting and drawing before. Whatever. She was painting, she was. She was painting right. and drawing right. from a young right. age. Fine. No, no. Right. I forgot about that. Right. <laughs> she was You're doing right. that. And that was really, and that was another one of her passions. You're, I think I would prefer to look at those drawings from way back when, because I am fascinated by that, you know, she did seem uh, talented in that regard, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I have, I, I don't think I'm be buying her paintings. <laughs> you don't want okay. one in your, okay, so, so there goes no. the, so there goes the gift. Was that, that your, was, was that I, your Christmas I was going to give you that as a Christmas <laughs> present, you know, with, and I blew it. yeah, there you go. No more, no more, no more Christmas present Damn for it. you. There you I'm go. Screwing this up. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know, you know, we can now tell our, our devotees that you, I know you were not looking forward to talking about this book. I wasn't. I but, wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of material. I mean, yeah. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did too. And I, 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 by the way, I wish I could go go back to that Akron she describes. It really sounded like such a 
a, just a charming childhood. Oh, really wonderful place to be. Maybe I'm just projecting. I don't know. But anyway. She didn't seem to think it was. I mean, she did, I guess. She but did. She did. No, she, did. she did. She does romanticize it a little bit. Yeah. And, she very much. But she was just. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't good enough. She just needed out. See, I don't know that I agree with that. I just felt like it was. I don't know. Somebody who just conflates experience with happiness. I am having. I've done some crazy thing, and that must mean something, and it doesn't necessarily. I don't think. Yes, it was. This book was just. There were challenging moments in the reading of it. Challenging. That that could have that could have been the. By the way, the title is apt. Reckless. Absolutely. Bam. That. Absolutely. It took on new meaning as I was reading the book. Yes. That indeed is. is Yes. That's it. I agreed with that. I thought this is the perfect title if there ever was one for an autobiography, and especially well, you know considering right. all the content and everything she talks about it was perfect well i think we've um we've put another one in the hall of fame we have so, yeah we have made the book real by discussing it we have and um i'm sure chrissy will be delighted to take her place <laughs> on this list <laughs> this um this week's show like last week's and one before was curated wonderfully by the ever talented I know the word. One of the words. Deep. Signal Studios. Deep Signal Studios. See, once again, you said you know you, the details. I, I just. <laughs> it'd be great if we did <laughs> 200 of these shows. I just struggled every time. Deep Signal. <laughs> Deep Signal Studios. Yes. Um, um, and the showrunner was Martha Christian. The editor, producer, writer was Martha Christian. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> Next week, I'm delighted to tell you, and I know Martha is as well, we will be discussing... John Taylor of Duran Duran. John Durand. Taylor of the notorious, no pun intended, Duran <laughs> Duran, who we will reveal was the impetus of this entire show. Yes, and actually. Yeah, yes, this, yes. Yeah. Very true. I'm looking forward to that. I'm Same. sure you are as well. Yes. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>